morning we're going to, uh, I'm going to reiterate a lot on what Brian said last week about choosing Jesus. We have that choice. We always have and we always will. He's always there for us. He's always waiting on us. His arms are open and he wants us to choose him. We're having a brand new message series called Risen. And uh, we're praying that uh, God will use this series to light some fires that will not go out in our hearts, in our homes, and in our church. Risen. And we know Easter season's coming and Jesus is risen. The tomb is empty. Praise God. Our scripture this morning is, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son that Whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. John 3, 16 and 17. And when we look at this scripture, many people just read this over. For God so loved the world, he gave his only forgotten son, that if we believe, we shall not perish, but have everlasting life. And there's something really important in this Scripture that we must not pass over, that whoever believes in him. It's not God gave the world, God gave his only begotten son, so we'll have everlasting life. There's that little catch in there, we have to believe. And there's a lot, a lot of people in our world who do not believe. And also, he did not come to condemn the world, but to save the world. A few years back, when my nephew was a little younger, he asked me, he said, I wish I knew what my purpose was. I wish I knew what my purpose was. And I'm wondering how many of you have said, I wonder what my purpose is. Well, our purpose is to choose Jesus, to become his disciples, and to go into the world and make disciples. Brian touched on that last week. And how do we become his disciples? Well, we read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and we learn we are taught by Jesus in those scriptures everything that his disciples were taught. We have to know what he says to us. We have to know what he wants us to learn. We have to know how he wants us to go into the world and love. And we can only do that by reading his word. Now listen, suppose I invited you over for dinner and I told you, don't open the large steel door by the garage because there's a lion in there. Would you open it? I put up big warning signs. I do not open the door under any circumstances. You will die. Hmm. Well, you have a choice, don't you? You have a choice. You can deliberately not heed the warning, think you know all there is to know about lions, and lose your life by opening the door. Or you could heed the warning and not open the door. My desire is that you don't open the door. My desire is that you never open that door. However, you choose to open the door and you die. Well, I didn't send you. 
I didn't send you to your death. It's the same way with God. It's exactly the same way with God. Second Peter 3.9 says, It isn't God's will for any to perish. Just because it's God's will for you to receive eternal life and not perish doesn't mean you will listen to him and make that choice. There are so many people in our world that have not made the right choice. In John 8, 44, Jesus was teaching, but his message did not reach the people's hearts. And he says, for you are the children of your father, the devil. Our world is full of people who have Satan as their father. And if you think this statement is foolish, then you have the right to disagree with Jesus. Yeah, we're born, we're created by God. We are his creation. He loves us so much. But he gives us a choice. He gives us a choice to be his or to be Satan's. We all think we're children of God, and I believe all of you here are. I hope you are. I hope you've made that choice. And John, John 1, 12 states, but to all who believed him and accepted him, he gave the right to become children of God, for you are all children of God by faith in Jesus Christ. Only by faith in Jesus Christ. A lot of people call God a cruel and loving, unloving God. I was doing a, a chaplaincy visitation one day, and I said to a fellow, do you believe in God? And he said, I don't know anymore about God. He said, I was a tow truck driver all my life. And they'd call me out to accidents. And when I lifted the car up, there would be a child, or a mom and a child, or a little baby. How do I believe in a God that lets that happen? We blame God for our tragedies, our illnesses, our heartache in the world. You know, the Bible clearly states God is a good God. God is a good God. He wants only what is good for us. Sometimes we blame Satan for bad things. I don't even give him that much power. Satan's nothing. Don't give him that power. The fact is that most of the time, it's mankind's fault. It's always mankind's fault. Let me tell you that the beauty in the world, the good in the world, belongs to God. The mess belongs to us. The mess belongs to us. May God forgive us. May God forgive us when we blame him. You know, people reject God because they don't want to let go of their sin. We're, we're so full of pride. I'm not going to do that, what God says. I'm going to do what I, I want to do. I'm just fooey on him. Well, if, if you're one of those that wants to do things your own way, and every one of us do that now and then, just let me tell you, you're part of the world, the human race, and we're all sinners. And I implore upon you, do not run from God, run to God. 
run to God. You know, a few years ago, a poll was taken that showed 73% of people believed in hell, but only 2% believed they'd go there. You know, God talks about hell in the Bible more than he talks about heaven. He mentions hell close to 200 times, and if you want to know where, I'll tell you. Revelations, he talks, Revelation, he talks many times about hell. Matthew, probably the most he talks about hell is in Matthew. Psalms, 2 Thessalonians, Acts, Jude, Proverbs more than once, and Proverbs, 2 Peter, and Ezekiel. Many, many verses about hell. More about hell than about heaven. Why? Because he knows. We don't want to pay attention to those verses about hell. We just kind of skip over them because we're going to heaven. But he wants us to be aware of them. He wants us to be aware. Do you know what Jesus says in Matthew 7, 13 and 14? He says, most... Most are going to hell. Yikes! Yikes! You want to think? Is that good? Is that me? Enter ye in at the straight gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leadeth to destruction, and many will go in. Many will go in. Because straight is the gate, and narrow is the way which leadeth unto life, and few there will be that find it. I'm going to make that very clear for you. The road to hell is wide, and many are going in. The road to heaven is narrow, and few are going in. Man, I sat up and took notice. I've read that many times in my life. But I don't know. God made me sit up and take notice of that recently. Wow. And you might be saying, yeah, well, I'm going to heaven. I'm on the narrow road. Okay, good. I've chosen Jesus. Good. How many people in your life do you know that haven't? How many people in your life do you know that are walking on that wide road and you know where they're going? You love them just like God loves them. You have to warn them like God is warning us. He's warning us out of love. He's not trying to scare us. He wants us risen with Jesus into heaven. The bottom line is God does not send people to hell. People wind up in hell because they refuse to turn to him for forgiveness and love provided them through the shed blood of Jesus. People will not turn to him. People will not believe in Jesus People will say there is no God. God gives us clear direction to his house, and if we don't follow those directions, we won't get there. We'll end up in Satan's house. Believe me, you don't want to be there. If you've read what God tells us about hell in his word, and I'm going to give you some of those in a bit, you don't want to go there. There's a big mansion at the end of your street. Big one, up on the hill, beautiful. You grew up in that town, you you envied that mansion, you loved that house, you loved to own that house. Ooh, it's nice, and you live in a little house down there in the valley. And your little house is fine, but, you know, you've admired that big mansion. And then hard times come, and you lose your little house. And you're hungry, 
and you have nowhere to live. And so you go up to the big mansion and you knock on the door. You know that mansion has many rooms, many rooms. Hey, I need a place to live. This house has lots of rooms. Can I come and live with you? I've been so good. I've done so many good deeds. I've done mission trips. I've helped people. I am so good. Can I live with you? And what do you think that person's going to say to you? No, I don't know you. I don't know you. The Bible says that's what Jesus might be saying to some people when they knock on the big pearly gates. No, I don't know you. So, turn away from the house of God means you go to hell, my friends. There was a time when I thought there wasn't hell. Oh, God loves me. God is so full of... God loves all his people. God loves everybody. He does. And I think, he's not going to send anybody to hell. I don't think there's hell. I think we're imagining. I don't think there could be hell with a wonderful God like we've got. Well... You have to choose them, or that's where you're going. You'll knock on the big pearly gates, and Jesus will simply say to you, I don't know you. We, we have no relationship. You have to have relationship with Christ to get to heaven. Don't think you should look at your good heart and consider all the good things you've done. You cannot get to heaven by doing good deeds. When you... Accept Jesus into your heart, and you live like him, then good deeds automatically come, and they come in the name of Jesus, not in your name. In the name of Jesus. And you don't even think about him. So, you may think God should look at your good heart and consider that you would get into heaven. And we have to ask ourselves, are our hearts really that good? Would we really want God to examine our hearts? But the fact is, he does. Ouch! He looks at our hearts all the time. Because he loves us and he wants to know what's going on with us. So why did God create hell? He created hell for the devil and his angels. Matthew 25, 41 tells us that. It wasn't meant for man, for his creation. However, God gives man free will so we can choose our own way. It's all about that big, big choice. If we make the wrong choice, that's not God's fault. That's our fault. And the soul cannot die. It can only exist in heaven or hell once we are gone from this place. And when God is removed from a place, and he's not in hell, all that is left is utter evil, chaos, corruption, death, torment, misery, fear, despair, and destruction. And without God, there is no light, and there is no peace, and there's no rest, and there's no joy. There will be eternal corruption, strife, rebellion, and hatred. That's what hell's all about. Now you know that's not what God's about. People only go there of their own choosing, choosing not to have relationship with God, not to believe in Jesus. 
God reveals himself to us in many, many ways. Even people in the remote parts of the jungle should know there is a creator. When you stepped outside this morning and saw our world, did you not know there was a creator? What could create beauty like that? You know, people in the jungle who have never heard of him are without excuse. He reveals himself to us in five amazing ways through creation, amazingly and beautifully designed, which points to a designer. You know, we have this Big Bang Theory. First, there was nothing, and then it exploded. Duh. How does nothing explode? Tell me. Okay, and then there was nothing. And when, and when has an explosion led to more order and structure than there was before? When? Explosions make big messes. What God has created is not a mess. He reveals himself through our conscience. The Bible says the truth about God is known to us instinctively because God has put this knowledge into our hearts. He reveals himself through the Bible. Clear directions and instructions straight from God. You can't get a better teacher. He reveals himself through other people. God sends people into our path to tell us about himself and how to get to heaven. There are all kinds of media filled with information about the gospel. Some positive, some negative. It's your choice to believe what you want. He reveals himself through dreams and visions. Hmm. In Job 33, 14 to 24, God gives man dreams and visions to keep back his soul from the pit. I took this sermon, I made this sermon out of a book that Jean gave me. And it's a book written by Bill Weiss. And it's called 23 Minutes in Hell. It woke me up. It woke me up. So dreams and visions, he does give us. Some people will poo-poo that. Oh, that's silly. They say, God came to me and he said these words very, very clearly. There are people that will say, oh, that's crazy. That's nuts. Well, God showed me this. I saw it. Oh, there's no way. Yeah, it happens. Because God says it will happen. And you can stand on his promises. We sang that song this morning, standing on the promises. You can stand on his promises. This isn't a pulpit thumping fire and brimstone sermon to scare you into heaven. We can't do that. I'm going to tell you what Bill Weeb suffered and saw in hell, and I want you to know this message is from God in love, in love for you. Because he wants you to choose to believe in Jesus and to walk with Jesus and to be a disciple and to go into the world and make disciples. You may say to me, what are you preaching this sermon to me for? I'm not going to hell. I'm going to heaven. I believe in Jesus. Okay. You know a lot of people that need this message. You know a lot of people that need this message. So if you've chosen Jesus and you've learned to be his disciple, you will be out there telling them this message. Not scaring them, just telling them how much God loves them. 
That's part of our purpose, to take as many people with us to heaven as we can. As I said before, hell is total separation from God. There is no grace or love in hell because God's not there. And once you're there, you can never come back. There's no hope. You'll never get back. You'll never get to heaven if you get to hell. Some of the things that Bill Weiss mentioned, and he backs with Bible scripture, no strength in hell. You're weak, you're sick, you're afflicted, Psalm 88, 4. I am counted with those who go down to the pit. I am as men who have no strength. You can't breathe. It's difficult to capture even one breath, and it goes on for eternity. Isaiah 42, 5 says that God gives breath to people who dwell on earth. It is not so to those under the earth. The odor is putrid. It has a foul sulfur smell like a volcano. So when we see volcanoes spewing out burning rock, brimstone, and sulfur, it could be God giving us a little view of what hell is like. There's no mercy. There's no mercy, no grace in hell. There will never be an angel or anyone come to rescue you. The demons hate God, and we are his creation, and so they torment people that go to hell. There's no rest or no sleep. I'm telling you, I can't go to hell. I can't go to hell. I have to have my sleep. I have to have it. There's no sleep. There's no rest in hell. Revelation 14, 11 says, The smoke of their torment ascends forever and ever, and they have no rest day or night. Oh, we don't want to go there. No, no, no. Choose Jesus. Choose Jesus, okay? Yucky. No water, no life, no blood, not even a drop of water. Remember in Luke 16, the rich man thirsted. He was over in hell. He was thirsting. Please, please, just a drop of cold water on my tongue. Nope. Not in hell. Not in hell. Even a soul thirsts. We're naked. Oh, no. Naked. Now, when I stand in front of the mirror and I'm naked, I say, yuck. I don't want to be naked, so I'm not going to hell. You know, yuck. Okay? That's all I'm going to say. Screams. Screams are so loud that they absolutely pierce right through your very soul. It never stops. Oh, I couldn't sleep with all that going on. No. There's no music. No music. How could we live without music, Elmer? How could we do it? Gotta have music. Praising God with music. But all there are are groans and shrieks of weeping, wailing, and gnashing of teeth of curses and blasphemies against God. There's no purpose. No purpose. All's over. Lost and gone. You're nobody, you're no fame, no fortune, no status. And Isaiah 26, 14 states very clearly, you are forgotten to all. Oh, and then there's this one. Maggots. Oh, yes, it's in the Bible. Maggots and worms. There are maggots by the millions everywhere. Isaiah 14, 11 says, the maggot is spread under you and worms cover you. Mm. 
In hell, the worms that consume the body will never die because the body is never totally consumed. It goes on for eternity, that crap. Woo! I want to go to heaven. I want that hunky angel to feed me bagels and cream cheese. You know, I don't want to be in this mess. No thoughts of God. Psalm 88, 10 to 12. Shall the dead arise and praise thee? Shall thy loving kindness be declared in the grave? Or thy faithfulness and destruction? Shall thy wonders be known in the dark and thy righteousness in the land of forgetfulness? These are all satirical questions. The answer is no to all of them. No. The dead will not arise and praise thee in, in hell. Thy loving kindness will not be declared in, the, in hell. We won't know about his wonders in the dark. We won't know about his righteousness in the land of forgetfulness. The fear, fear level is beyond anything you can imagine. Psalm 73, 18, 19. Thou castest them down in destruction. They are utterly consumed with terrors. Nasty. And hopelessness. Isaiah 38, 18. Those who go down to the pit cannot hope for your truth. You know, when did you last hear a sermon on hell? Our churches aren't preaching about hell. God talks about hell more than he talks about heaven. I've told you that. Others downplay it to the point where many think it will not be that bad. It won't be that bad. It couldn't possibly be that bad. Well, it's bad, folks. Or they think, like I did for a little while, God wouldn't allow that to happen. He won't send his creation to hell, but we're not. We are his creation, but we don't choose him, some of us. Or as the other scripture says, many, many don't choose him. Well, you got to make sure you're walking on that narrow path, folks. Well, you know what the best part about God is? You can fall off that path, and every one of us fall off that path. Everyone fall off all the time. We just have to turn to Jesus because we believe and say, Jesus, help me, like Peter did when he was sinking in the water. Jesus, help me. Forgive me. And he'll pick you up and he'll put you back on that narrow path because he's amazing. After all, we're good people. We're not going to go to hell. Mm, Be careful. Here's a sentence I want you to remember. Our society accepts sin as the norm. Pay attention to that. We must be politically correct. We mustn't rustle any feathers or insult anyone. Instead of being bold for God, we walk around in eggshells. This sermon is about you not walking in eggshells. You becoming a disciple. Choosing Jesus is just the beginning. There's so much more. Read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Learn his teachings. Learn. Watch how he lived. How amazing and beautiful. And live like him. Love like him. We can't be perfect like him. But we can try. So hell is far worse than your mind can ever conceive. Time's short. I find myself saying all the time, oh my gosh, that was a long time ago. Oh, where did January and February go? What happened in 2.15? I don't know. Yeah? 
Wow, time is short. Our relationship with Christ here counts for our eternity. We must recruit others to help in the harvest of souls for heaven. That's our purpose. We're not just here to look after ourselves. We're here to look after our families, our friends. We're here to take as many people to heaven with us as we can. We're here to get more people on the narrow road. So are you in or are you out? If you're in, it has to be 100%, not 50 or 60. You got to go all the way. And the only way you can avoid hell is to choose Jesus Christ. And no one can scare you into that decision. That is the least of what I want to do today. I just want you to know how much God loves you. And he gives you. He loves you enough to give you that choice. We need to represent Christ in the best possible way. Okay. No one can scare you into this decision. It has to be from your heart and with all of your heart, 100%. Once you ask forgiveness and accept Jesus, you no longer have to fear death. And so I ask you today, are you in or out? It has to be 100%. Have you accepted Jesus? I know you've all accepted Jesus. You wouldn't be here praising him and worshiping him this morning. But if you haven't, think about it. And remember, accepting Jesus is just the first step. There's so much more. Become his disciple, go into the world and make disciples. Let us pray. God in heaven, we know we are sinners and we cannot save ourselves. And it's not by our good works, but by your son's shed blood on the cross that we can be saved. We believe you sent your only son, Jesus, to be crucified on a cross and that he died and rose again from the grave and lives forever. The tomb is empty, Father. We ask you to forgive us of our sins. We repent. We're sorry for our sins. Lord, when we slip off that narrow road and get walking on that wide road, please, God, Put us back on the narrow road. Give us the sense to come to you and say, help me, Jesus. We ask you to come into our hearts. We accept you as our Lord and Savior. We thank you for forgiving us and for saving us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.